In this episode of The Full Nerd, DLS gets more smarter, Intel provides some interesting updates, and Razer throws their hat into the custom keyboard ring. Uh, welcome to episode crap. I didn't look at the number two hundred and sixty-eight of the full nerd. I am your fill-in host for this episode, Adam Patrick Murray. I have two fine gentlemen on the line here. The first one I'm going to refer to is Brad Charkis. Hello, Internet. The second one I'm going to refer to is Michael Kreider. Uh, back after uh, it's been a couple months. Howdy, howdy. And your title, real quick, remind me, is just staff writer? I am a lowly staff writer. Lowly staff writer. Uh, no, no, you're you're the highest of the staff writers in my heart. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> they, you're all equal. Uh, and then controlling the, <laughs> the vertical and horizontal uh, is Willis Lai. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. We were talking about fries earlier uh, in the pre-show. Mm. And yeah, now, now I feel like fries. There's not really a place to get fries around here, huh? Uh, not really there's in downtown san francisco there's not too many restaurant chains actually there is this restaurant chain i was talking with uh one of my my uh friends who's vegan uh have you heard of mcchar mccharlie's no no so look up mccharlie's there's one in la and one in san francisco i don't know if there's more than that but it's essentially an all vegan mcdonald's ripoff oh so yeah. it literally looks like mcdonald's inside they got the red got the art arches and things like that but it's all vegan uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so yeah I, I think that might be the closest place we, we should I don't take, know. we should take Gordon there one of these days no no that is a horrible <laughs> I idea on it. i don't even think he would step foot in it uh <laughs> i mean he, he'll just order coffee yeah according <laughs> coffee and a hash then it'll be like what is this is this coffee vegan as well it's like it will coffee's all right well unless you put creamer in it. anyway anyway we're here to talk about the pc <laughs> Uh, before we dive into the fun topics that we have, including DLSS 3.5, uh, Intel Arc updates and, and PresentMon updates, and Razer uh, showing off a, a new custom keyboard, which Mike Kreider reviewed. Uh, that's why he's joining us. Uh, a couple quick updates before we hop in. Uh, there has been more information around the whole LT LTT uh, scenario and we, we we covered it a lot on the the show last week it's funny we were looking at the timestamps and we kind of we kind of breezed through the the main topics to get to the q a and the the first question was about the ltt stuff um the paul has has done some great uh follow-up stuff there uh you know linus has come out and and given some some statements and they they're currently on a production pause uh so there's more information we don't need to, to get into all to it and get all all into it here uh but there's a couple things i want to say the the uh one of the major updates uh kind of around this is is around an ex-employee named madison it's it's very very serious allegations that i think hopefully can be looked into and, and addressed because that's of all this stuff that's definitely the stuff for me personally that doesn't sit right uh and hopefully they can uh, address that and and figure out what's going on because uh, that's yeah for for a workplace yeah. to have a, a toxic culture and i'm not saying uh, that i know anything about the situation but the allegations are that it has a toxic culture to it and definitely something that needs to be addressed um the other part is i i realized you know in in the middle of talking about it yesterday or last week i was very kumbaya and uh 
you know, talking about how we approach things. And I didn't want to come across as, oh, hey, uh, look, at we got all our stuff figured out. Uh, that is not hopefully not the vibe uh, that we're, they were putting out. But I wanted to say that, yeah, in, in giving kind of the behind the scenes of how we do things or offering suggestions and helps uh, to anybody who is struggling with that stuff, you know, please feel free to reach out. It's not that we know how to do this and we're the, the best at it. Uh, it's just, I feel like it's, uh, it's something I, I wanted to say just at least to get out yeah. there. So, um, just another perspective. If, if you're going around looking for more coverage of this, I just saw Ian Cutris, you know, mm. frequently on the show for really having tech put out an hour and a half video, uh, diving deep into it last night. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I'm curious to see what he has to say. So I just figured full nerd listeners might as well. So I'd just share that. Yeah, for sure. I, I I think we might be seeing Ian sometime soon. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully we get to chat with him more about that. Um, but yeah. Anyway, wanted to, wanted to touch that on that before we get in. Uh, and then yeah, I, th- I think I think we just dive in. Um, <clears throat> the the topic of Nvidia and DLSS three point five three point five to me, Brad signifies that it's a a point update. That this isn't a major revision to the way DLSS three point or three works. Uh, would you would you consider that true, Brad? Uh, not necessarily. I think three point five signifies that it is a pretty serious update, but not one that they want to say, "Hey, this is the next generation of DLSS." So, and that's honestly my impression. I haven't had, haven't not had a chance to actually play with it hands on myself yet. But from everything I saw in the presentation, talking with the folks at NVIDIA, that's kind of my impression of it as well. So there is one major thing, in the, which is kind of the differentiating factor for this 0.5 update, and it's that AI-powered ray reconstruction. Uh, yes. Correct? Uh, and it's, it's slide 23, if you want to show that, uh, Willis. Uh, this is this is A lot of this is over my head. I'm not a, a developer mm-hmm. at all. Brad, hopefully you can... You can help uh, help the common person understand what the hell yeah. this means. So basically, when this all DLS, DLSS 3.5 and its flagship feature, Ray Reconstruction, is all focused 100% around making Ray Trace visuals look better in games. Uh, just to be straight up front, you might see a small performance boost in some games, but that's not the goal. The goal is to make Ray tracing look better. Mm. Uh <clears throat> So basically, when a game is ray traced, uh, that happens by sending tens, hundreds, thousands of little bits of rays into a scene, getting all those light sample data, doing all its complex GPU things, uh, and figuring out how to present it. But the reason it took ray tracing so long to be usable in games is because doing that task is extremely, you know, intensive. It like will melt GPUs if you just like have, have infinite rays of light. Uh, the reason that movies look so good is because they can take hours or days to run that process, uh, but games have to respond to you in real time. Mm. So it's limited to the number of rays it can cast, and because of that, when you get a raw ray trace picture, it can look a little grainy. When uh, ray tracing and DLSS first came out, back you know previous examples before that, because there were some ray trace games before that you could go back and look and see that there's a graininess to the picture. Uh, so the way that you counteract that is by running a task called a denoiser. And it basically, you know, checks e- either temporarily, so over a couple of frames, 
does this magic, figures out, hey, this is kind of what it's supposed to look in, fills in the blanks where all the rays are missing from. Or you can do it spatially, which is, hey, you know, this is one frame, but these group of pixels here is next to this group of pixels here. Here's kind of what it should look like and fill in the blanks. Uh, as you can tell, anyone who played ray trace game. Actually, sorry. Or I'm sorry, tw- 21, 21, slide 21, please. <laughs> ray tracing looks pretty good. Uh, as anyone who's played ray trace games can tell, you know, sometimes it's not worth the performance impact, but when ray tracing kicks butt, it really kicks butt. Like Cyberpunk's overdrive mode is awesome. Uh, control was awesome. Minecraft, all those. But they have to run this denoiser thing. So what uh, Ray uh, DLSS 3.5, Ray Reconstruction does, is basically replaces the hand-tuned denoiser algorithms that game developers currently use in their games to clean up those ray-traced images to put its AI to the work, who does all that stuff much more efficiently, trained on much more data. In addition to the basic temporal and spatial denoising thing, it's specifically looking for ray-traced visual effects. So it's smart enough to know, hey, this is supposed to be ray-traced. Let's pay a little more attention to this. Uh, it's trained on a lot more data, and it also takes in game data, like what the actual simple colors on the screen are and you know what, what is actually on the screen. It's not just the raw denoising that traditional denoisers have been. Uh, and so what that does is it provides much more accurate ray-traced visuals per NVIDIA's claims. Again, I haven't had a chance to try it hands-on yet. But I have noticed there have been times, NVIDIA mentioned this in their presentation. I can totally attest that I've seen this. Uh, like sometimes when you're when you see ghosting in a in a game, especially uh, that fast action, yep. fast action. That's typically because of the way denoising works with DLSS, because you got to remember that the way DLSS works is it starts with the low resolution images and then it uses its AI magic uh, to upscale it to fit your screen. Mm-hmm. So if those low resolution raycast images are grainy and the denoisers are missing little bits of it, when they use, when DLSS uses that information to blow it up to your screen, you tend to lose some accuracy, you lose some vividness. This goes in and looks to fix all that, so you can see, for example, less ghosting. Uh, They say you'll be able to see much more clearly, like, car headlights are coming out of the headlights, and not just like an amorphous blob coming out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So on and so forth, stuff like that much more accurate reflections. They say reflections is one of the worst ones in water puddles and whatnot on mirrors just because of, you know, all the complexities involved. But with ray reconstruction, you can see much more clarity. Like they shared a cyberpunk Phantom Liberty example that had the reflection. Actually, you could read the letters from the building across the street in the reflection, whereas with traditional techniques, you could not. Hmm. So if you play ray tracing games, it seems like a, Really, really cool step forward. Uh, again, the proof is in the pudding. I haven't had a chance to test it myself yet, but on paper, it looks pretty dang cool. And, you know, NVIDIA's clearly putting a lot of time and effort into ray traces and DLSS, DLSS, and I think the fact that they gave it a 0.5 update actually signifies I think this is a fairly big deal. Hmm. Okay. But, so, the... That was long-winded. That was, you said, do it, do it. A simple explanation. It's hard to get much more simpler than that. This is all really <laughs> oh, for complicated sure. stuff. <laughs> no, I, I think it was right. I, I do want to hear uh, Mike's take on it because um, I'm curious. But I think for me, 
uh, I already, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm an expert in it, but at least in the terms of, of video and photography, denoisers are, we use denoisers plenty. So like the, the same thing kind of applies except for you doing it, uh, at a more <laughs> infinite scale. Cause you're, you're having to do it in real time. So I, I can only imagine, but I mean, at the, the, the examples that they showed of the, the limitations of hand-tuned denoisers and things like that. And I'm like, okay, you know, actually this is the same kind of thing that applies to, to video and photography. So and not necessarily the motion thing uh, always, but at least the, uh, yeah, the, the, the way reflections handle and, you know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. it, it, it can kind of muddy an image or, or make it less, um, less vivid, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the, the colors can kind of get desaturated when, when you apply a lot of denoising to it. So if, if ray tracing inherently has, more noise in it and they need to do the denoiser to it this sounds like a better option I, I think the bigger question i have for me is is this something that somebody's going to be able to check in a settings menu in a game or is this just something that gets implemented by a developer and we reap the benefits of it uh dlss is always implemented by the developer uh well i mean i mean sp- not, specifically uh, the the ray reconstruction part of it I didn't ask that specific question. I'm not sure. I think that if 3.5 is supported, it'll just be supported. Uh, a good thing is it'll be unlike DLSS 3, which adds the AI frames. Uh, DLSS 3.5 is supported by all RTX GPUs. Mm, yeah. Actually. So I think that if a game supports RTX 3. Uh, DLSS 3.5, there'd be no reason not to just have it work if it's supported. So okay. I would guess that if it's supported by the game, it'll just be on yeah, if, if you want to show slide 31, which I thought was interesting, too, because uh, they kind of break down the chart of the diff- different DLSS versions in which GPUs are supported on it. We're starting to get a little bit in that territory of like, OK, wait, uh, only certain features are on specific cards. But then this new ray, ray reconstruction is 3.5, but it's available on our all RTX GPUs. Uh, so. It's complicated. It's complicated. complicated. The easy way to think about it is you need RTX 40 series for AI frame gen, and that is a toggleable option. Everything else should just work on all RTX GPUs. Okay. Yeah, that's why I was just, uh, if you want to pull it, um, the the whole idea of is this something that the user can pick? Obviously, frame generation is is a checkmark. You can turn on and off. I mean, all ray tracing is usually a checkmark to say if you want it or not, because I know there's people in the chat who are probably not big fans of ray tracing to begin with. Um, but I do wonder if like, okay, is the ray reconstruction, would there ever be a situation where you actually want it to use the traditional denoise or maybe a performance thing? It's like, hey, ray reconstruction does have a little bit of performance overhead. And if you're on an older GPU, maybe you don't want to use that one. That's why I was curious about the implementation. Did did they talk at all about performance uh, impacts? They did. They said uh, you may see a small performance uplift in 3.5 games. Pardon me. But it will totally depend on the game. Mm. This is not targeting performance whatsoever. It's pure visual quality. The reason you might see a performance uplift in some games, they specifically mentioned Cyberpunk 2077, is because that game has so many ray tracing effects, it already uses possibly several different kinds of denoiser technologies. Like it might use a spatial and a temporal one. It might they might have different denoisers running it. That's all getting replaced by 
this one DLSS 3.5 rate reconstruction process. So you might get five or 10 frames more per second, you know, a negligible kind of uplift at the rates that you're running, but you shouldn't go into this looking for faster performance, just hmm. better visuals. Okay. Well, I mean, which is not a bad thing. I, I mean, I, I personally like ray tracing and, and the bells and whistles it provides. Mike Kreider, what's, what's your, what's your personal opinion on, on ray tracing? Um, usually I keep ray tracing turned off. Um, even on single player games, I'm the kind of guy who just likes as much resolution and as accurate resolution as I can get on my big giant monitor. Uh, and my and my computer is not powerful enough to do full ray tracing 60 frames per second across 3,000 mm. pixels. Um, I think NVIDIA might have a bit of a communications issue here because between the parts of DLSS 3.0 and then jumping to 3.5 that are available on this GPU and not this GPU are starting to get really jumbled for me personally. Um, I've seen, I mean, like, I turn on DLSS and it is a dramatic improvement just in terms of performance. Uh, but like this thing over here will not work on my 3070, but this thing will, even though it's a higher number than what it was before, it's making my head spin. Uh, so I, I don't know what to turn on and what to look for and whatnot. So it takes like a solid 40 minute dive into these <laughs> technical explanations just to say, Hey, here's what you need to turn on to make it look good. And here's what you need to turn off to make it run fast. That sounds like a good uh, a good article we could write up. Oh, there you go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> always thinking like the writer. I, I appreciate that, Mike. Um, okay, well, uh, when I'm sorry, uh, maybe you already stated this, but it uh, probably went through my ears. When, when can we start seeing the fruits of this TLSS 3.5? Later, uh, it will be in Phantom Liberty when the Cyberpunk expansion comes out September, I believe it is. Yeah, the end of September. September's okay. a packed month. Uh, it will be in Alan Wake 2, which comes out in October. Hmm. Uh, it will also be worked into the Portal RTX remake, uh, which is getting updated this fall with that. Well, that already, already is a showcase, basically, for RTX technologies. It even has the RTX IO storage stuff. Uh, and then more to come. Uh, well, speaking of tentpole stuff, uh, Willis, why don't you go ahead and show slide 11? Uh, packed in in this information was announcing Half-Life 2 RTX. That's, yeah. that's what got me pretty excited. Uh, <laughs> this is just a mod project, correct? Well, it's not quite just a mod project. Like, NVIDIA worked together to work to get four top modding groups mm -hmm. from the Half-Life 2 scene together to start working on this. Uh, I forget the name of the studio, but it, there's a studio name behind this, and that's basically those four top modding groups. Uh -huh. They're starting to work on this. They're hoping to get more people to come help out. Uh, that's probably the reason for this announcement. But what they got already going looks pretty dang good. <laughs> yeah, I, like Half-Life 2 is one of those games that I I used to play almost yearly because I felt like it, it just held up and was like, I don't know, it's just a, a tentpole <laughs> release for me. So, but I haven't, I have, God, I can't remember the last time I played it. I think it was like maybe 2020 was the last time that I, I went through it. Uh, so now I'm like, okay, now I definitely have a reason to, to go back into it and, and play it. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Willis, have you ever played Half-Life 2? Uh, dabbled with it when I was young. Yeah. Well, now you got a reason to, to top back into go. it. Did uh, you play the VR version? <laughs> no, unfortunately I, I have not. I still, I still need to do that. Hey. <laughs> 
I still kind of wish uh, it's cool that they're doing all these modding projects, and I love that RTX Remix is a modding-driven thing because I'm a big believer in mods and the openness of the PC. I love it. Some of the most popular games today have their inspiration, their roots in mods. But I also really wish, even though it's a proprietary technology, I wish that companies would get on board with this sometimes if it's not too hard to add the RTX Remix, as NVIDIA keeps claiming, because they launched it talking about Morrowind, and if I could actually play RTX Remix Morrowind, like I would jump into that tomorrow. And I'm sure there's plenty of folks who would do that with older games too. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's super fun to to re rediscover some of those old games in in different lights. Uh, I mean, I, I was actually a big fan of the 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 Minecraft because uh, it was just like it's like oh my god, like this is completely different than how Minecraft normally looks, and it's. <laughs> Blows yeah, my mind. I play Minecraft a lot. I actually just had to yell at my kids uh, before we started doing a full nerd because they were playing Minecraft together on laptops and taking all my internet bandwidth. <laughs> uh, but we play uh, hide and seek basically in Minecraft sometimes, okay. which is always cool. It's always fun. But I think I discussed this when Minecraft RTX came out. Doing it with the realistic shadows, the lighting, and everything in the full RTX like took it to a whole new level. You don't find that incongruous between the super realistic lighting and the fact that everything is a meter-sized cube? Oh, it's a little weird. It takes a second. I would but, say that uh, it, it, cool. that was cool. Like it was, it was like it was unique. I don't know because it was just like, yeah, you've got this like pixel art, but then it was like a, like actually illuminated correctly. And I, I don't know. I yeah, I think, hey, I think that it's, it's it's voxel, not pixel. People oh, you're get right. very particular oh, about this. I'm sorry. The thing that wrapped that was harder for me to wrap my head around was the fact that with ray tracing on, you couldn't have the like near infinite block scale like I can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. Speaking of near infinite information, uh, Intel drops some. Inf- no, I don't know why it's not. It's not <laughs> near infinite. Uh, <laughs> infinite amounts of interesting uh information Intel dropped. Um, I guess let's just start off with the the arc. GPU updates? Um, I think that's worth, yeah. I think that's actually the big news, although maybe not necessarily as interesting to the full nerd crowd. Well, uh, uh, let's show Willis, uh, why don't we go to slide 11 for the Intel ones. Uh, there's there's some news. What, what's, what's the news that they were sharing last week? Yeah, so basically, as we all know, Intel's debut ARC GPUs came out a little under a year ago. They haven't even been out for a year yet. Uh and they had excellent ray tracing performance, excellent DirectX 12 performance, but they had a lot of bugs, terrible performance in DirectX 9, DirectX 11. Uh, since then, Intel's been working hard to listen and fix all those, and they've done a tremendous job. We have a bunch of articles and videos going back saying, hey, you know, these aren't buggy anymore. Uh, a few months after launch, they released a big new driver that re-architected the way it handles DirectX 9, and we saw massive improvements in games like CSGO and League of Legends and whatnot, you know, the esports games that still run on DX9. Uh, But DirectX 11 games are kind of the bread and butter of gaming. Like, right now, a lot of the AAA games are switching over to DirectX 12. Most of the major releases you'll buy will be DirectX 12, but most of the games that people play on PC are still DirectX 11. And Intel still was behind the pack there. Uh, But... Last week, sat down with Tom Peterson and some other folks from Intel. Tom Peterson's been on the show before. Uh, and they basically said with this new driver that they just put out, uh, DirectX 11, they re-architected that driver as well. 
to reduce a lot of the driver overhead and other issues that cause some of the, you know, uneven performance on DirectX 11 games. And... Flight 7. Hmm? Sorry, I was just telling Willis uh, which slide to show off. So they did have uh, some examples of uh, uplift in gains from the from the launch driver. Uh, yeah. Which I thought was interesting that they're... I mean, they're it using the, the same with driver, direct. But... It's the launch driver. They have to re-architect it to uh, change stuff, I'm sure, at a fundamental level. But you got to change a lot of hand-tuned stuff in this stuff. So I'm sure this is the culmination of many months' worth of work with them slowly picking away at these games. But they now say that, on average, DirectX games run 19% faster than they did at launch, which is great. Hey, there's a 20% performance gain, uh, as well as 20% smoother. So one of the issues that happened with Arc at launch is that there was stuttering frame pacing issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, and now they're saying, hey, you know, with all this re-architecting that we've done, uh, we managed to fix a lot of that, too. They gave us a selection of games to show off some of the, uh, you know, the ranges that you could see. But they said, yeah, in general, like 19% faster, 20% more responsive. We heard you. We're putting in the work. You know, these games should run better on Arc now. I mean, honestly, uh, uh, the looking at the the games that they showed in this in this chart, I mean, these are some of the the biggest games that I can think of that are are heavily played. I mean, League of Legends, Genshin Impact, Apex Legends, Counter Strike Two, Dota Two, GTA Online, obviously. Uh, so yeah, I mean, these are these are important games <laughs> to to really highlight uh, and and say, hey, you know what, we we made some some maximum import in. Um, performance improvements which is i mean good on them for continuing to develop and and work more on the driver stuff uh, yeah, i'm hope i'm hoping to once gamescom dies down and i uh, get my house set back together to retest the arc a750 versus the rx 6600 because right now in our best graphics cards and we've also done follow-up videos for this we said hey you know arc is doing a lot better but it you know still is a little bit behind on DirectX 11 and games just run more reliably on the Radeon 6600. And I'm really curious to see if that's still the case. So right now in our best GPUs, we have it split as best budget is the Radeon 6600, but best budget, if you want to ray trace, is the RK750. And I'm curious to see if that all still applies after all these updates, because Intel's been working real hard on this. Yeah. Uh, another thing they talked about, which I thought was interesting, was the uh, performance improvements depending on the CPU. Uh, that you paired it with they had this one slide uh slide 13 willis where the uh uplift was higher on this i5 13400f versus the 13900k which i'm gonna assume yes. is because they were able to get with a higher end cpu you're able to kind of just push through some of those driver overhead issues correct <laughs> Yep, yep. This is kind of building off, I don't know if anyone remembers earlier this summer, uh, Intel released this big campaign around, hey, we did tons of testing to figure out what class of CPU is best to match with what class of GPU. Uh, and in their findings, they tested NVIDIA, AMD, and Intel. They didn't just test the Intel Arc. And they said in their findings, you know, the super powerful GPU should be matched with the Core i9 or Ryzen 9. But for these affordable level ones, the best, you know, sweet spot for actually getting the most performance out of it without spending ridiculous amounts of money is Core i5 or Ryzen 5. So 
yes, if you're using that kind of balance system like they recommend, uh, that's where you get this 19% faster average in 1080p games on DirectX 11. Uh, if you switch to Direct, if you switch to a Core i9, it drops to 12%, and that is because the Core i9 can, in fact, just bulldoze over some of the initial issues. Yeah, uh, and all and just to be clear, all the charts that we showed beforehand were with that that Core i5, not the Core i9. So correct. Yeah, correct. So which I people might take issue with that because that's not really the way we test GPUs per se in a vacuum. Like we test with high end rigs to eliminate bottlenecks, but I genuinely believe that matching a Core i5 with things like this is perfect, and I think this is a perfectly valid way to break this down. And they were not hiding this fact whatsoever. They're like, yeah, it'll be less on a Core i9, but if you're running a $250 graphics card with a Core i9, what are you doing? <laughs> Other than maybe AV1 encoding or whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure people are, are, are using it out there. Uh, that, that's mm-hmm. pretty damn sure. Um... So you'll still see an uplift if you are doing that but not as pronounced. Yeah. And the last time, so the last time Keith did a check-in was at the six month mark. Um, We've talked about various check-ins when it's worth it. Cause uh, at at some point checking in monthly just became like, okay, uh, yeah, the either the improvements weren't weren't necessarily anything to write home about, or it was just, I mean, that's one dedicated video just to testing <laughs> one dedicated piece of hardware. So uh, we kind of put it by the wayside, but yeah, maybe, maybe we'll do a one year check in or, or something like that. I, it's crazy to think that it's, it's almost a year. Uh, yeah. Or maybe even just out. the DirectX nine update. Like, Hey, is it really better that much better on DirectX 11 now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something to check out. Uh, something else to check out is present Mon. And I will be honest, uh, before before Intel provided this information, I did not think that Intel was kind of the the brain brain power behind Presentmon, which just so you know is is a a tool people use to kind of uh, look at analytics. Uh, Presentmon is is what uh, FrameView Nvidia's FrameView is built on. Uh, CapFrame X is built on Presentmon. Brad, yeah, AMD's OCrat, MSI Afterburner, any of these monitoring tools uses PresentMon, which a lot of people assume is just part of Windows, but it's actually an open source project from Intel. Yeah, so uh, n- next time somebody says that uh, that Jared Walton is a shill for running FrameView on AMD cards, then you need to correct yourself and say, actually, he's an Intel shill. <laughs> <laughs> um, FrameView runs wonderfully on AMD cards. <laughs> So, uh, so, okay. So Presentmon has, has an update, a very important update. Well, I guess a couple updates, but there's, there's a, yeah. an important one to talk about here, which is GPU busy. Yeah. And this is the other aspect, like tying the two halves of the story together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Intel put a lot of work into reorienting these drivers to eliminate driver overhead to just making them run better with DirectX 11. Uh, and they didn't say this explicitly, but they're like, how do we show people actually what we've done? Like, how can we drive across the point that, you know, how we're, what actually tangibly have we done? Uh, and so they introduced a new metric called GPU busy. Uh, which basically lets you know how much of a frame the GPU is actively busy for. Uh, So they showed a really illuminating example 
where they had the overlay of the actual frame times in a game. So though your frame times are, uh, the faster your frames are refreshing, the more responsive it is. If you have a wild frame time chart, that's when you get uh, the stuttering that you feel. <clears throat> Which is uh, a, and at, the example, sorry, real quick, in uh, slide 17, uh, the, the yellow is the GPU busy, the blue is the frame time. Uh, yeah, I don't have that slide up right now. Is that the launch driver? Yes, yes. For the, new one. Yeah. the launch driver, as you can see, the yellow one is the GPU busy, is a relatively consistent five milliseconds, which is, you know, that's great for, especially for a uh, competitive game like that. But the actual frame times you were getting were spiking all over the place. Uh, which, and as a layman, real quick, as a layman, I, I would have been like, wait, isn't, isn't the GPU always working? Like, why, what, what else is going on that the GPU isn't doing? Well, the GPU has to wait for the CPU to process all of its data. Uh, it could be because the GPU can only draw what a CPU tells it to do. And part of this really shows how they've eliminated overhead because, uh, if you flip to the next one, the new driver that has GPU busy, twenty-two uh, slide twenty-two, you will see that now with the re-architected drivers, the frame times closely match that five millisecond GPU busy time. That's because they eliminated a lot of that driver overhead, optimized the CPU performance that was happening. Because in addition to all the normal game stuff, the uh, basically Intel's drivers act like a translator for high-level DirectX instructions. So Microsoft Windows the game gets written for DirectX and says, hey, do this in DirectX. Uh, Intel hardware, NVIDIA hardware, AMD hardware all have their own instructions that they then translate that into that hardware instructions for the GPU to be able to output what the CPU is telling it. So, But it has to go through that translation layer. Mm. That's where a lot of this driver overhead stuff is showing up. That's what they're kind of trying to show here. Uh, so it's really interesting on that front. So you can see like, yeah, they actually have done a lot of work. You can tell from Overwatch right here that things are running a lot better than they have before. But it's also really interesting because you can kind of get a gross feel for whether game is CPU or GPU limited, just looking at utilization and traditional performance monitoring tools. But if you look at this, it now that we have the GPU busy metric to use in addition with the standard frame times, you can really get an in-close look and say, hey, you know, it is my GPU that's, you know, the bottleneck here. If this is cl closely tracked like it is now in Overwatch, uh, if you upgrade your GPU, you'll probably get faster frames because it's, you know, basically spitting out frames as fast as the G GPU is spitting out. But if you're still seeing those crazy frame, frame time jumps while the GPU busy is faster than that, then that indicates that there's either a game issue, possibly a driver issue, or more likely you could say, hey, you know, in this scene you can really see it's getting CPU bottlenecked real bad. Mm. So you'll hear people often talk about, hey, you know, my graphics card runs great, except for these three scenes in this one game. It really chokes. Then you could pull this up, and you could actually be like, yeah, it is my CPU not quite keeping up. We have a way to look at that now, which is deeply fascinating to me as a reviewer. <laughs> right. Well, so 
which brings me to another note. I mean, this is this is information, uh, interesting information for a reviewer, but also this is in information that anybody can use to be like, okay, where is the bottleneck in my system? So it's going to be showing up in Presentmon, uh, the new Presentmon overlay. If you want to show slide twenty-eight, uh, but is this information going to be able to be viewable if you're like, hey, you know what, I really like using FrameView or CapFrameX? Is it going to show up there as well? Uh, I think CapFrameX already said he's working in GPU busy. Uh, AMD, uh, not AMD, Intel doesn't plan on restricting any of this information. It's still all open source. This is going to be open source just as much. Uh, this is just the first time that Intel is giving GPU nerds the ability to tap into Presentmon directly, giving it an overlay, doing all that, rather than just supplying the APIs or whatever that mm. you know all the other developers use. Uh, so you can view it in Presentmon beta, which I believe is live now. I think it launched last Friday, perhaps. Uh, I took a long weekend, so the days are <laughs> a blur. Uh, and a cool thing about that is they have a deeply configurable overlay function so that you can have it run multiple graphs metrics on one graph. So you can configure it so it shows both frame times and GPU busy in addition to all the other things that you would expect out of a program like this, like memory usage, voltage, stuff like that. Logging abilities. Yeah, it logs it. Everything that you would want initially, uh, it has, and they're still going to be working on it. Like, you can spit out uh, CSV files. If you're the kind of person who tracks this stuff, then use the CSV files to spit out graphs. You can have it so it just presents the raw data on screen. You can have it so it presents in graphs so you can see the differences in real time. It actually looks like a super cool, super versatile tool. Uh, but they set it up that way specifically to show this GPU busy thing, which I am glad they did because this is really useful. Yeah, uh, I will admit I'm one of those people who has a hard time breaking the habit of always having some sort of metric overlay. <laughs> <laughs> when when I'm gaming, Mike, are, are are you like that? Are you in this this horrible camp? Oh, I pretty much just look at frames per second and then try and hit that 120 on my monitor, and that's about it. But Brad, I did want to talk to you about um, this specific advantage that Intel is getting with their new drivers. You were talking about how with the translation specifically, they've got a very small, I presumably small, edge over an AMD or an NVIDIA card with this GPU busy, this frame time stuff. Um, they're showing it with Intel CPUs, of course. Do you get that same advantage, that same improvement in smoothness if you're using an AMD CPU? Remains to be tested. <laughs> I would uh, think I would think that uh, you would. It, mm -hmm. It's Presentmon is truly agnostic and always has been. Like it just straight shows you the data. Uh, I would think that typically say a Ryzen 5 and a Core i5 are roughly the same level. Some things are better. So if you see, I would expect to see similar performance for similar level of CPUs and games, but mm -hmm. it will depend product and product and game to game. I don't think they're nerfing anything uh, to make it run worse on AMD or NVIDIA. Well, yeah, right. that... I mean, the, the, the hardware should all match up and, and make that run smoothly. And I'm asking specifically because... AMD processors are getting so much attention for game performance with their X3D series. It's just insane. Yeah. I would love to play around with FrameView and uh, GPU, not FrameView, 
I'm so used to frame view. You had to mention frame view earlier. Uh, <laughs> present mon beta and uh, one of those Vcash chips. I would love to. There's a lot of cool stuff you could do with this, actually. Like, we, I wouldn't be surprised to see a bunch of really rad videos on YouTube and different testing articles around soon because this is actually super interesting. And I think it could provide a lot of good data for people in publications like us that want to know and be able to quantify now, hey, if you have, you know, a $250 graphics card, like don't spend more than 250 or 300 dollars on a cpu because you can see the way that they behave together that's the reason that you wouldn't pair a core i9 with an arc a750 and that's why the performance leap was so much less when they showed how the core i9 did versus the core i5 hmm. so it's just really interesting nerdy stuff <laughs> <laughs> do you uh do you uh do you feel like you're going to start using it more for your GPU testing or? Uh, currently I use in-game benchmarks with frame view. Uh, I do OCAT sometimes, but usually I do frame view. Uh, I like this a lot. Uh, I haven't had too much chance to play with it yet because I don't have my test system set up yet, but I plan on playing with it very much soon. And I think there's a very good chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fun to mess around. I am, so, I am really excited about what this looks like, actually. <laughs> and it's it's uh it's in beta, like you, like you mentioned, it's out. Anybody can go download this. Uh, I did ask uh, on the presentation, like what, why is it marked as a beta? Like what what kind of things are holding it back? Is it gonna negatively or? I was trying to infer, is it also going to negatively impact performance just because it's a beta? Uh, did they talk about performance? Uh, no, overhead. I wouldn't worry about it too much other than uh, the usual, they call it the observer effect. Like, it, you are running something that looks at this, it will put a slight difference in, but nothing that should be measurable. But if you're getting, like, down to nitty-gritty, like, it might add a millisecond or, you know, just something like that. But I, since this runs off PresentMon, this is basically just a wrapper for PresentMon, which, again, is already used by FrameView from OCAT from everything from fraps to afterburner uh i would expect this to run just as smoothly as those two especially with intel behind it okay yeah nice and, the way, and, like, tools. and like you said yeah cat frame x i believe on twitter already said they're working on he is working on implementing gpu busy into it so intel's just making this freely available just like they did the original present mon so hopefully we start seeing this pop up in more of these monitoring tools soon because i think it could be very spectacularly helpful for figuring out what part of your pc you should upgrade yeah if you if you want to go uh watch tom chat with steve over gamers nexus they they did a nice little chat uh talking about this stuff and getting even deeper into the to the whole architecture stuff it's it's definitely over my head but it was i i like having more tools at my disposal at my disposal so that's uh yeah. That's pretty cool. Think about it. Think about how often we get asked on the show very game-specific questions. Hey, man, I'm running Arma. I have X, Y, and Z processor, X, Y, and Z GPU. What should I upgrade? Yeah. Hey, I'm running all these different games, and now we can say, we can give you some general advice, but go fire up PresentMon, just put the graph on your screen, and see what it tells you over the hour or so that you play. I think there's a lot of value with that. Probably too nerdy for the general audience, but for nerds like us, like... I think it's dope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Well, stepping back in the general audience, I think it's worth highlighting like a year ago when they were introducing these discrete GPUs, everybody as thrilled as we all were to see somebody to step into the GPU, the discrete GPU duopoly, everyone was still treating Intel very much as an unknown quantity, which it was. I mean, I, th I think it took them a long, long time to get this stuff out. It, there was obviously some behind the scenes delays and people were wondering, hey, is Intel in this for the long haul? Will we even see a second generation? Which I think was kind of a silly question. This is billions of dollars invested. Um, Intel has proven that they're in this for the long haul. They're doing consistent updates all the time. And obviously a lot of this is aimed in a very, you know, press forward area to prove it, but they are proving it. If the proof is in the pudding, hey, this is the pudding. And the the value that they're doing in these mid-range to low-end discrete cards is astonishing. I can't wait to see what they do with a second generation, hopefully stepping up into that like RTX 4070, 7700, 7800 area. And I, 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 I'm so excited to see what they do when they compete at that level, especially when it comes to value, because that's where a lot of people are kind of hurting at the moment. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I, I dig it. I dig it. Keep, keep it coming and we'll, uh, we'll have to keep testing. Sounds like you have some testing planned. I'll, I'll chat with Keith about uh, trying to do some testing, but go play some games. In <laughs> uh, our, our it's final... a hard job, but somebody has to. Do I know it. it's a hard job. It's a hard <laughs> job to play all these damn games. Um, so, last major uh, topic for today. I don't have any fancy segue, but uh, Razer Razer has decided to make a custom keyboard. I thought the whole idea of custom keyboards is that you just. You build it yourself. What the hell? Mike Kreider. Of course, you can build it yourself. Wait, wait, um, you but can, if you're you looking... You can build this Razer one yourself? Well, I mean, you have to buy it from Razer initially. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, so, okay, when you step up to a more expensive mechanical keyboard, you've got two broad categories you can go into. You can go for... I mean, it's custom in the sense that you can customize it. And this is like... You can start around $100, $100 but it gets into that area at about 150 to 200 you get really really nice keyboards full aluminum bodies hot swap sockets that you can pull out a lot of them are building in parts of the keyboard that were part of custom builds three or four years ago or these extremely boutique builds like interior foam inside the case to make it sound nicer uh gasket mounting which is a layer of silicone in between the circuit board of the keyboard and the case of the keyboard just to make it feel nice. Um, there's all sorts of these little touches that people have been doing, and that's the custom side of things. That's the, I want a super nice thing to type on. I want it to feel nice. I want it to look nice. And then almost completely separated from that in the keyboard market, you've got the gamer side of things. We want super duper RGBs. We want wired all the time. We want 8,000 hertz polling, which is just insane to me. If you're a human who can tell... 8,000 different keystrokes in a second. I'm very <laughs> impressed. Um, but like I said, there's, there's up until about six months ago, there was a very hard divide in these. Um, Razer's newest keyboard is the Black Widow V4 75%, which is not a great name, but here it is. Um, they've done a lot of things to bridge the gap between these two categories of the keyboard market. You've got that 75% size, which is... You know, bigger than 60%, which is very hard to get used to, but much, much smaller than a full size or even a TKL, 10K list. 
they have the hot swap socket, so you can pull the switches out. So you can see that's the circuit board right underneath there. And throw in anything you want that's compatible with the Cherry MX standard, which is literally hundreds, maybe thousands of different types of switches at this point. They have the interior foam inside the case and in between the circuit board and the other parts of it. They have the gasket mount. They've got all this stuff that they've added to it to make it much more like a custom keyboard. Um, and it's, it is an impressive change. It's, it's a big directional change from Razer, who've been very much dedicated to that pure gaming. Even on the Black Widow V4 Pro, which was the previous design, they're missing a lot of these features. They're missing the gasket mount. They're missing the hot swaps. And again, that's because that's much more of a very dedicated gamer board, which is why I don't love the, the name change because you've got these two different keyboards that are both named Black Widow V4, but they're very different. Uh, it is an impressive change. Another big thing is the switches. They've done a ton of work on the switches themselves. These are, let me see if I can remember this, the Razer V3 orange tactile switches that they've got. You can see this is... Um, I don't know if you can see from my camera there. Yeah, you can kind of see. They've it. got this boxy stem that keeps everything very stable as you press down. It's a tactile switch, which is not normally associated with gaming, but they went in and they looked at the community and they said, hey, this is what people want. We'll put it in there. And it is a huge improvement. If you look at Razer's website, they've got a, a page dedicated specifically to their switches. And they even have like audio samples of each individual switch and what it sounds like. Oh, which is getting cool. way deep into the woods with this custom <laughs> keyboard stuff. I mean, that that's how people can get, right? Uh, it, it's it's funny. I've I've always just kind of peered from from the the sidelines <laughs> and been like, "Huh. Man, that looks like some cool fun stuff over there, but I've never dug in myself." I, so, real quick to to jump back, Mike, are you a custom keyboard guy? Do you build your own? I am. I I build my own keyboards. Okay. So, <laughs> but you've you've reviewed this for the site. Uh you you review normal keyboard. I don't so what's the opposite of custom keyboards? What's I mean in this vendor in this keyboards particular dichotomy we'd call it just a gaming keyboard and a regular keyboard. Oh okay. All right, <laughs> and then custom keyboards. There's you can you can go so uh so granular into so many different areas. But just as an example, a more traditionally custom keyboard would be this Keychron Q1 Pro, which has the full super heavy aluminum body. It also has hot swap switches. It's got a much higher profile for typing. Um, and this is this is more on the side of that custom, not necessarily gaming. It'll work fine for gaming, but it's not really designed for that. Um, and as I said, typically Razer is on the other side of that equation. With this keyboard, they're they're really straddling that line. You've got features on both sides that appeal to a lot of people. Yeah, I'm I'm but and this is the first time they've done something like this, correct? It is. Uh, it's the very first key Razer keyboard with the hot swap function specifically, which is a big deal for a lot of people. Well, yeah, I'm. I'm I, I was shocked. I didn't talk to you much before your view went live, and I was reading your view, and I'm like, wow. You know, I never expected this out of Razer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's it's very different. It's I'm very intrigued by that keyboard. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they they went super deep into the community. Just as 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 an example, there's a very popular aftermarket mod that you can do to almost any keyboard you open it up you take out the circuit board and you just add duct tape to the back and it's a very simple tweak that's easy for almost anyone to do but a lot of people really like the way that changes the sound and the feel 
Razor put that tape on there out of the box. Awesome. Th- that's just something that they thought was cool that they added in. I, yeah, I, I mean, it, well, you're saying all this, and this sounds like a big enough deal. Like, why why didn't they make this a whole separate new line? Like, I mean, they they could have come I, out with almost like a new line, right? Like, hey, look, yeah. like we have a new custom keyboard line. I mean. I didn't talk to them about that specifically, but if I was reading the tea leaves, I'd say that they want to preserve the um, the popularity of their Black Widow series. Mm. Um, there's some things that they chose very specifically to keep in line with that. For example, one of the things I didn't like in the review is that these have ABS keycaps instead of PBT. And those are just two different kinds of plastic. Not really something that a lot of people care about. But if you're buying a custom keyboard at this level, it's $190, you expect to get PPT keycaps. And they were like, no, our Black Widows have always used ABS. We're going to keep that specifically because we like the the way it looks with the RGB lighting. And you can take their word for that. I think they're they're shaving a, a few dollars off of it because they also sell PPT caps, PPT keycaps on top of that for like a $30 upgrade, hmm. which is not something I'm in love with. But... Again, that's another example of how this straddles the line between the custom and the gaming markets. And so you said it was 190 US dollars? Uh, 190. I think there's a white version that's coming slightly later if it's 200. Oh, okay. How much how much of a premium over uh, uh, the other another relevant Black Widow is that to have these custom features? It's actually less expensive than the last Black Widow. I think the Black Widow V4 Pro which was their full-size 108-key traditional gaming design, is 230 or 240 So, I mean, you expect to pay less for a slightly smaller keyboard, but there are so many more features, so much more engineering that goes into it, and it's still coming in at a lower price, which is impressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, huh? Uh, I'm I'm surprised by that because, yeah, I, I don't know. I would I would think like, oh, okay, they, they want to get in the custom keyboard you know, craziness that, that's going on, on out there and and they're going to use it as a chance to be like, oh, you know what, we're we're going to ha- add our features into it here. We're going to take a pre-existing line. We're going to make it more customizable, uh, but it's going to come with some sort of price increase. Uh, mm-hmm. Huh. That's interesting. Well, so w- real quick, what, what was your what was your synopsis of the review then? Uh, just holistically. I think I just gave it uh, yeah, yeah, the, okay. the, the way it's it's a great keyboard to get into if you want those gaming features and you're also curious about the customization aspect of it. Um, like if you've been in this in in this for years, um, you've already got a keyboard that you like or you're looking into something that's more on the custom side of it. But if you've been into gaming keyboards for years and you want to check out this super customized side of it, this is a great way to get into that area. Uh, with one caveat that I brought up in the review, they talk about how they've done all these upgrades on the inside and about how it's so cool to customize it. But if you open it up, you do void the warranty, which is Ooh. not, it's just not something you see in some of the super custom designs. There's specifically on the back, they made a big deal about how it's only six screws to take this whole thing apart, which is very cool. But there's a sticker over this screw right here. And if you puncture that sticker, your warranty's gone. That's lame. Oh, they were so yeah. close, so close. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure. I'm actually. I, I, I'll bet that that was their probably. They're looking at 
Because some people are going to open it up and break it. That's just that's just the reality of it. And they're looking at a bottom line, projecting how many people are going to break it and ask for a repair. I'm, I'm actually I fall into the pro the gaming keyboard side that you just described. I don't have a lot of experience with custom keyboards. I've dabbled with some, but usually, like, I'll spend $200 on a custom keyboard. And for me, this is really intriguing because I've always been intrigued by custom keyboards. But I'm like, man, that seems like a lot. This seems like a... Especially because you do tend to lose some of the features that you get on gaming keyboards. So mm -hmm. this, to me, seems like a really interesting gateway drug kind of a deal. Uh, and I'm actually... I might wind up picking that up someday. I'm really intrigued by it. <laughs> yep. So, sorry, just so I understand. So what what can you customize it without voiding the warranty versus what can you customize with voided the warranty? Okay. Everything on the top of the keyboard, you can take apart and be fine with your warranty. You've got the keycaps that you can swap out, like on almost all any keyboard that's mechanical. Mm. Uh, you can pull the switches out and replace them with any switch that's compatible with the standard Cherry build, which is these two little uh, copper stems okay. on the bottom there. Mm -hmm. Anything that'll fit in there, and it, and it works with five-pin stems as well. That's a matter of mounting. Um, it's about as universal as it can be hmm. while preserving that. Um, I don't know. I guess you could paint the top of it if you wanted to. Uh, but the keycaps and the switches, you can do as much custom work as you want. And then the software is standard Razer Synapse. So that's pretty great programming as far as it goes. It's not the the open source via that I prefer, but gamers like the Synapse. Like I would say, as somebody who's used pretty much all of the custom gaming software that comes with keyboards and mice out there, Razors is probably the best, hmm. which isn't to say that it's great, but it's it's the best in this field. I just wish they wouldn't make you restart your whole system every time it updates the software. It drives me crazy. <laughs> you don't really have to do that. You can just quit out Synapse and reboot oh, Synapse. Oh, really? Oh. Pro tip. There we go. That's <laughs> a pro tip. Uh, well, okay. So then if you do decide to void your warranty, what can you swap on the, the inside? Oh, you can change it out for different kinds of foam. You can adjust the, the gaskets. You could take off that tape if you wanted or even replace it with some other tape. There's tons of stuff that people do on the inside of their keyboards, some of which really should void warranty. Um, but for example, if you just wanted to take off that layer or take out the foam, I don't think that should that should void a, a two or three year warranty. But but they had they had to put the gate somewhere, and there's no easy mm -hmm. way to put the gate <laughs> with destroying it is the more actual complicated. PCB on the inside than like a, just a standard 60% would be. There's some daughter boards in there, uh -oh. but it's just a matter of plugging stuff and, and unplugging it. Oh, interesting. Uh, we do have a couple super chats uh, from friend of the show, Mike Quinton. Thank you so much. Uh, his first $20 super chat said, uh, excluding gaming keyboards, did today's keyboards have the quality of the IBM model M sold by others? <laughs> Has anyone asked the professional keyboard users, office workers who use them eight hours a day, what keyboard they like? So do you feel like, well, so first part, do you feel like it's still up to the quality of the IBM Model M, which is a whole It depends on what you're talking about. It's, it's, it's depending on what you're talking about in terms of quality. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want something that you can use to like fight off a bear, um, <laughs> because, you, because it's indestructible. Um, no, I'd say, I'd say these are not that super tough, use it for 20 years kind of build. 
Um, you can certainly buy ones that are like that, and those will be very expensive. It started about the $200 range with those full metal cases and just be super, super chunky. But if that old-fashioned office build is what you want, they're still selling those. Uh, I forget what the company is called, but they're selling like the original Model M design. Uh, I think it might be Unicomp um, that you can buy with a regular USB connector and just type on that like it's 1985 all day long. We've got a review of that on PC World. Just look oh, for, really? yeah, just search for like Model M review and it'll pop up. Uh, that one's a Model F. But yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another guy who works with us, Matt Smith, reviewed the Model F compact modern keyboard huh. and he absolutely loved it and its buckle springs but it costs $420 so you can get that to, you can get that feel yours with the modern day touches but it'll cost you <laughs> and and if you if you're curious about those old fashioned ones cuz they're not compatible with the newer type designs you can go on eBay and find an old model F model M not a perfect condition one but one that was you know made maybe somewhere between 1998 and 2003 and get that for under a hundred bucks. You'll need an adapter to plug it in via USB, but it'll work just fine. And you can fairly easily take it all apart and clean it because you're going to need to. Uh, but if you're curious about that, it's, it doesn't take a whole lot of, of money or time to get into it. Huh? I know, I know no less than three separate people who swear by model M keyboards and do exactly that. They still, they have the adapters. They love those things. Nice. All right, we should have one in our in our hall, hall of fame. Yeah, well, I see one on it right now on eBay selling it for uh, one hundred dollars. Ooh, look at that! There you, you go. go. You better grab it, Willis, before uh, somebody <laughs> else does. You just put it out there in the in the world. Uh, Mike Quinton also gave us another twenty dollars super chat. Thanks so much. Uh, no question. Just said, folks at at work don't follow key travel benchmarks or the keycap colors coding, and will use whatever is in the box that the unit is delivered. Uh, that's the biggest concern is carpal tunnel, which is no joke. Uh, that's true. Definitely want to get a good keyboard. Oh, I'll I'll say um, since that's relevant, the Razer one does come with this very nice wrist rest. Yeah, and you know a lot of them at this price level come with some kind of wrist rest. I've got a Steel Series right here I'm reviewing. That's just like hard plastic. Just mm. appreciated, but not great. But this one has this super super comfy cushy thing that I like. Interesting, interesting custom keyboard. Oh, I'm I'm still it's, it's, still on the sidelines. I I don't I don't know. I I feel like personally that this isn't like I I don't I wouldn't use this as a stopgap. Personally, I think I want to just like dive head deep into it. Uh, but yeah, it it is intriguing, especially for that price. That doesn't sound bad. And if you spend all day typing, it really is just like Mike Quinton was alluding to, worth spending up for the stuff that you touch all day. Like yes. I worked eight to 10 hours a day, touching my mouse, touching my keyboard, looking at display. So when it comes time to upgrade, those are three things along with my office chair I look at first. So don't sell those short while you're shopping for your new processor or graphics card. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, we had somebody in the chat earlier that said they, they, Oh, here we go. A uh, friend of the show, retro Sean said, uh, I have a problem with paying as much for a keyboard as I did my CPU. <laughs> so buy a more priorities. expensive CPU. Problem solved. Yeah, there, hey, there you go. Yeah, then be like, oh, It's well. all relative. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, custom keyboards. Yeah, so now do you do you feel like now that Razer has uh, has done this that we're, we're going to see other major keyboard manufacturers like Corsair try to get into it? 
Um, we've seen a few of them get into it in very small ways, dipping a toe in. Like mm-hmm. uh, I think Corsair has had a few keyboards that are hot swap oh. for the switches specifically, but they leave out stuff like that interior foam, mm. uh, all the all the gasket mount stuff. Um, one of the things that's a bit of a barrier here is some of the really cool gaming specific technology means that you can't have hot swap switches. Like there are optical switches where you can adjust the level of actuation it's either optical or it's magnetic mm-hmm. and you can make that adjustment but that is such a complex process that you can't pull the switches out hmm. so um i've got an asus keyboard here that tried to do the full super custom stuff they've got the hot swaps they've got the interior foam this was the azoth um and frankly i wasn't really impressed with it because they made a couple of big missteps they've got an lcd screen here which is an interesting thing to add to it, but function, but I think functionally it, it does very, very little, and it adds a huge amount of cost. This is a $250 keyboard. Mm. And on top of all of that, Razer has a distinct advantage in the software because as big and as complex as Razer Synapse is, it runs low profile. It gets out of the way when you want it to, mm. which is not something I could say for Asus. I think theirs is called Armory Crate, which With has... Yeah, which has ads and coupons and like discounts for games and stuff in there that this this is all stuff i don't want when i just want to go in and change what this key does razor i feel like razor used to be worse at that too where it was like Mm -hmm. oh do you want to install the this and this and that and i'm like no i just want (laughs) to control the the thing that i need i want to say like eight or nine years ago people really hated razor software and for good reason because like you had to make an account to go in and change the colors that your lights were. Um, they've, they've done a lot of improvement there and it's, and it shows. Hmm. All right. Nice. Custom keyboards. It's the craze. It's all the craze. Get hop in on the craze. You know what else you can hop in on is viewer Q and a, let's go ahead and uh, finish the show off with some viewer Q and a, if right. you have a question, that one worked. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that was like, wait, worked. <laughs> thank you. Uh, if, if you're, if you're with us live hanging out, uh, thank you. Uh, also, if you have a question, put it in the chat at PC World. It's kind of the easiest way for, for us to spot it. If you're watching or listening later, uh, there's a link to the Discord in our description. Uh, we've had lengthy, lengthy discussions uh, over the past week about uh, all the LTT stuff. So hop in there, have, uh, join the the good crew that we have over there. But we also have a channel for questions that uh, hopefully I will read on the show if you pop it in there. I am going to switch over there because we have some uh, some good questions. Uh, here's a, a good one from a friend of the show, Ziv. Uh, thank you. Said, uh, Adam, did you experience any odd noise that gamers Nexus did in the review of the fractal design Terra? Um, number one, unfortunately I have not watched gamers Nexus review. So, uh, it's, it, it's on my list. Ziv, I don't know if you're in the chat and, or anybody in the chat can explain what that noise was just cause I've, I haven't watched the video. Um, but, uh, I will say that, that we got another one. Oh, it's not here. It's it's back here. Uh, we got the the jade color in, uh, so we'll, we'll we'll give that one a a try too, and and look for whatever odd sound. Uh, I do I don't remember. Oh, there it is. Uh, I don't remember hearing any odd sounds, but once again, if somebody in the chat can tell me what uh what the actual sound was, um, but yeah, so I haven't noticed anything. I'll get back to you on that one. Don't scare me now, because <laughs> I'll be building on that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, they did come back in stock. It immediately refreshed as we were talking about it. So, 
We got one for I'm not surprised they're hard to find. Those are gorgeous little cases. Yeah. Um all right. Uh well here here's a follow up to uh keyboard question from friend of the show Bob Jones, nineteen eighty. Uh are there any keyboards that have like twenty percent larger keycaps for big hands? Oh, that's a good question. Um, not that I am aware of, not in this particular segment anyway, because everything has to be standardized for these specific switches. Um, so there's a limit to how big the keycaps can get while still fitting on the board, uh, for this particular switch and, you know, where they don't overlap with all the other keycaps. If you're looking into something like that, I do know they make very small keyboards for small people. Uh, who have a who have trouble typing on larger boards? Hmm. Um, there, you're getting into very specialized hardware that goes out of the realm of of what re- we review. Some accessibility stuff. I haven't heard of one that is specifically designed for people with large fingers or large hands, except for like novelty stuff you might see at a show that's like three feet wide. <laughs> um, but I would look for any company that specializes in accessibility hardware might have what you're looking for. That's interesting, huh? Uh, we got a question from, uh, Zoid Wraith, Wrath Wraith in the chat. Uh, how excited is Brad for a 7,800 XT that probably won't be faster than a 6,800 XT? Allegedly. Oh. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't prejudge anything I test. Uh, if that comes out, I already spoke what we thought about the benchmarks on the last show. Uh, it's all going to come down to performance and price. Uh, these are totally new. If the rumors are true, you know, GPUs, like we can take some ideas from how it's configured and how the other versus last gen, as well as the performance uplift we saw on current gen higher end cards. But I don't prejudge anything. Uh, if it does wind up being just as fast as the 6800 XT or just a little bit smaller. Uh, if this in fact happens again, I really much think it's going to because that uh, I think it was AS Rock leaked every power color leaked everything. AS Rock leaked the names. Uh, <laughs> it looks pretty darn official. Uh, but you know, if it's a little bit faster than sixty eight hundred XT, but they price it at three hundred dollars, that would be great. So it really is like you need to see the full picture. Uh, but if it's roughly the same price for minuscule performance uplift, I mean. You can see my reviews of NVIDIA hardware to see what I thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We got a, a super chat. I'm sorry, VC Chester, you're right. I did miss your super chat. $5. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It said, every suggestion is something worthy of listening to. One person can have a lot of answers, but it took a team to land on the moon. Uh, did we actually land on the moon? I don't know. Did we? Did we? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Did we? Yes. Uh, and the discussion. I'm just, asking, I'm just asking the question. <laughs> uh, we had a uh, question from, here we go, uh, Grant Hampson. Thank you for joining us. Uh, he's asking uh, thoughts on the Corsair K100. Those have uh, swappable keys. Um, I don't think I've been able to try out the latest version of their full-size K100. Uh, I think a year ago, maybe a little more, we reviewed the K100 Air, which was their super low profile. It used Cherry's ultra low profile switches, um, not hot swap. So, uh, but I was not impressed with it because it was basically a very nice laptop keyboard that was $280. 
um which yeah it was it That's was the price of a laptop painful <laughs> um i have tried out a few different corsairs i think it was the k70 uh, they have such confusing names one of the very small 60 percent k70s and they're all right but again it was priced much much higher than a lot of the other alternatives out there um so i'm sorry i can't give you uh a specific opinion about that very specific keyboard, but going on the other range of it, if you want to try out hot swap stuff on a gaming keyboard and you don't want to spend a lot of money, we have a very specific recommendation. It is the G skill. I think it's KM 250 uh, or possibly 350, um, but you can check out our keyboard roundup and it's if for gaming, it is our budget pick because it's a fantastic little board you can get for $40. You heard that right. That is the retail price of it. It has hot swap sockets. It has interior foam. It has the little dial that does your volume. It is just an incredible value. And it's a great place to start if you want to try out this custom keyboard stuff and you're on a, on a budget. Hmm. I had no a idea. peek behind the curtains. We were working on launching that gaming keyboard roundup, but we didn't want to super much without a budget keyboard. And then Mike picked mm -hmm. this thing up and he's like, all right, now we can do a best gaming keyboards because this is a good budget keyboard. Wow. I had no idea. I didn't know G skill made keyboards. Uh, huh. Interesting. Um, couple more here. Uh, from friend of the show, great mighty dad said, uh, I always enjoy these special episodes when you have guests from AMD, NVIDIA and Intel on any chance you might have AMD, NVIDIA and Intel guests on the <laughs> same show at the same time in the same studio. That could make for a very entertaining, if not potentially combustible episode. <laughs> I, I agree. That would be fun. Brad, what, what do you think? Do you think we could make that happen? I, th I think that would be wonderful. Uh, I'm not sure uh, the PR, PR handlers who you don't see just off screen for all these interviews would like for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be a recording studio. That would be a wrestling ring. <laughs> and I sure would pay to see it. <laughs> You know, we just get some alcohol, we loosen them up, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> one, one thing that's, uh, I think people don't really realize, especially in the enthusiast level, that we get to see here it, from, you know, working, talking with these people, is that all these people at different companies, like in in the press and the, the media and the forums and everything, uh, it's like AMD versus Intel versus NVIDIA, which is true at a high level. But when you get down to individual people level, like a lot of these folks have worked at two or three of these companies and they all have immense amount of respect for each other. So it very well could be a fun wrestling match, but it also could just be a bunch of nerds getting deep into how present Mon works. <laughs> yeah, I like, mean, it's pretty similar for us. Like most of us have worked at other publications. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's true for almost anybody who's been on this side of the media for you know more than three or four years. And there's really not a lot of animosity, uh, current events notwithstanding, uh, between people who work at these different publications. We're all doing our jobs, and we're all nerds, and we all love to talk about this stuff. That's about as far as it goes. Yeah, maybe the right topic, right? Maybe a topic that's so high level that they all could get behind and like be on a show about that. Like, I'm thinking... An easy low hanging fruit is the Gordon wants to kill ATX. Uh, we, we get representatives <laughs> from the major three on to talk about the downfalls of ATX and how to fix it. Uh, I was thinking fast food fries. Oh, talk there, about we no, there we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. We, we go even higher. We don't even talk technology. Uh, People get passionate about that. We won't have to, to throw any punches at all. There we go. We need we need Pat Gelsinger 
Lisa Sue and uh, Jensen, Jensen to 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 all sit around the table and debate uh, the different fries and come up with a tier list. <laughs> or better yet, chips. Yeah, get that okay. SEO in there. There you, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Potato chips, to be to be specific. <laughs> Uh, that's one way to get them on the show. That'd be a fantastic like, gonna, video. Yeah, right. We're going to get them to come here to talk about chips. They're like, wait, I thought we were here to talk about my microchips. No, we're talking about potato chips here. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, get that now I want here. you guys to try to make this happen at CES. Get three people from those two companies in the same room. Save it for April Fools. We pick the brains. <laughs> no, there's no way. There's no way. Chip experts. We could probably, we could definitely interview each one of them individually, but man, in the same room. Yeah. yeah. No, it's know. never going to happen. Oh. <laughs> uh, get them on a blue screen. We'll put them all in the same shot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, all right. A couple more here. Uh, start, a friend of the show, Star Screamus, asked, uh, Quake 2 remaster recently released, uh, as did Rise of the Triad remaster. Are you hyped for either of those? Or alternatively, is there another old PC game you would like to be remastered? Quake 2 Remaster, I'm going to play it sometime. Haven't had a chance yet. I haven't had a chance to play either of those because, again, my house burned down, so I've been kind of busy. <laughs> uh, but Rise of the Triad is one of those games that I grew up playing. Like, I loved. It's got all sorts of problems with it on many different levels, but it just scratches my childhood itch. And the folks who put that out, I know do really good work on remasters, so I am super pumped about that. I think uh, it would be awesome, again, to get an RTX remix of Morrowind, although that's not quite as old. <laughs> but I would love to see a VR remaster of Descent, but I think it would make me puke. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, I mean, that lighting, I do remember the lighting in Descent. And, like, it, yeah. Having, yeah, having an RTX or ray tracing, whatever, uh, yeah. implementation there would be pretty crazy. Yeah, I would, I would, I would pay money for that. Uh, also the, when I think of lighting, I think of doom three as well. And like, I mean, say whatever you will about the game itself. Uh, like the lighting was the highlight of that game. So maybe actually doesn't need retracing. I don't know, but, uh, I know Keith, Keith is a big fan of doom three. He will defend its merits. (laughs) Go fight him on Twitter. The thing I've said ever since I was fortunate enough to be in Gamescom five years ago when, uh, the RTX 20 series ray tracing DLSS was introduced. Uh, I got to play around with Battlefield, I think was the only one they had running at the time, and it only had reflections. Uh, and But even just that little bit, I'm like, I would kill for a Thief remake. Not the newer, okay, hit or miss ones, but like the original kind of games, faithfully, you got to update it for modern times, but with full path tracing and accurate lighting and reflections and stuff, I think would be a game changer for that game. And... I would be down for that. That's a really cool pick. Uh, any any old games you wanna you wanna see remastered, Willis? Has there been any remaster for Command and Conquer Red Alert? Uh, there was actually a really good one, yeah, for for Red Alert One. Yeah, uh, that you could like toggle between the two uh, styles. Is is yeah? I think it came out like two years ago. Oh, something like that yeah, yeah. Okay. really good <laughs> that toggle between the two styles is exactly why i remember it because it was super cool just <laughs> yeah being able to flip, you're flip. like in in the middle you're like oh oh that's funny oh that's funny oh yeah no the, the good good yeah. pull good pull <laughs> um <clears throat> all right uh, w- uh one last fun one before we get out of here also st- from front of the show star, star scream is uh what are your favorite ingredients to put in tacos mm-hmm 
Brad? I I'm pretty straightforward. I like to uh, I use a variety of different meats and stuff. It's funny. My girlfriend uh, just moved in with her recently, and her tacos are very much gringo tacos. Uh, so I'm interested to her world and new stuff, but one of my, my go-to is I always pickle my own red onions and I have pickled red onions and I have roasted various colored peppers that I like to throw in there. I'm a big fan of chimichurri sauce in there. Uh, but yeah, for me, those home pickled red onions are the things I need to have every time I make a taco at home. Mm. Nice. Mike taco man. Uh, for me, when I make tacos, it's pretty straightforward. No huge devi- deviations in the major ingredients. But there is a seasoning that I absolutely love for almost anything, and it's called California Pepper Plant. Uh, they sell it as a hot sauce. Um, that's their primary business is just like not quite a salsa, not quite a Tabasco kind of thing. But they also sell it as a dry seasoning that you can put on it. And I put that on almost any kind of meat. Uh, especially beef. It tastes great. So huh. California pepper plant, you can order it on Amazon. I'm going to now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was looking it up. That's interesting. Never heard of that. Quick, Adam, put an affiliate buy and link in the... Oh, yeah, buy, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love that so- stuff so much. I care. I take it with me when I travel. Dang. All right. Yeah. Do, do you have a little uh, mini version that you keep on your... Your key loop pulling a Beyonce. Not not quite <laughs> that bad. I just know if I'm going to be somewhere for for days or weeks, I got to have my fix. <laughs> huh? Interesting. Okay. Uh, Willis tacos. Pico de pico de gallo. Mm. I need my uh, tangy salsa all the time. Mm. I like it. I I <clears throat> I like all the uh, just just meat. Like the the meat's got to be the 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 big deal on it. So I actually don't like a ton of extra stuff. Uh, me personally. Cause, uh, but if I do, it's got to be the cheese. Like uh, the cheese elevates a taco for me too. <coughs> Excuse me. What kind of cheese do you put on there? Depends, Please don't say cheddar. De- no, no, no. <laughs> depends. Depends on the meat. I, I honestly, I think it. Yeah, depends on the meat. Uh, oh wow, Robert Lawrence says a uh, chili. Oh, putting mm. chili on a taco. I mean, I'll put anything on a taco. That's honestly, interesting. yeah. Uh, I love tacos. Tacos are the universal food. I love them. Like, I grew up in. A poor neighborhood in Tampa where there's a lot of Hispanic influence. So I just grew up eating tacos and I just don't put lettuce on tacos. <laughs> uh, last question from uh, uh, Adam Patrick Murphy in the chat. Yes, uh, is a hot dog a taco? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. If you're, if you're going to argue anything like that, I will give you that one. <laughs> Mike, is a hot dog a taco? Is is a hot dog a sandwich is the traditional question. Is a hot dog a taco? No, it's got to have a tortilla to make it a taco. I, I don't know. No, I've had a, uh, <laughs> no, um, uh, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> sure. It's just, it's the shape, you know? It's I, funny. Uh, when I, uh, again, I discovered that my girlfriend thinks of tacos as American tacos, like the gringo traditional yeah, yeah. Taco, taco Bell, Bell tacos. Taco Bell. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm which like, have their right, time and place too. Which have their time and place too. Yeah, so I'm like, after I learned that, I'm like, all right, I got dinner tomorrow night. I'll show you real American tacos, and then I just made hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> good one, good one. All right, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna end it there. We do have a five dollars super chat from VC Jester. Thank you so much. Said uh, shout out to Gordon. Yes, shout out to Gordon. We all miss him. Uh, best wishes and fast recovery. Hopefully, he will be back at some point. And uh, yeah. Uh, once again i'm just keeping his chair warm keeping his chair warm um but yeah we we should we should get out of here 
It's I'm hungry. My my stomach is literally grumbling. American tacos? Yes. Let's go. <laughs> uh do we have a good taco place close to here? Um Oh yeah, we do. We do. Okay. Uh anyway, check back next week for your dose of of tech topics and food talk, uh, obviously, because that's what we like to talk around <laughs> about here. Um, for audio listeners, please subscribe over on Spotify, uh, iTunes, Pocket Casts, whatever. Uh, leave a review if you can, please. We I've been checking. We haven't been getting reviews, so that means uh, every re- every time you do review, Brad gets another taco. We want Brad to get more tacos, so please leave. I get grumpy without tacos. Yeah, you get he gets grumpy. Uh, <laughs> um, what else does Gordon say? I can't remember. Uh, so I'm just going to say, uh, thank you for everyone for, for joining. Uh, thank you, Brad Charkis. Adios, y'all. Thank you, Mike Kreider. We, we will definitely have you on again. Alrighty. Had a lot of fun. Be sure to read Mike Kreider's stuff over on PC world. Uh, and, uh, Willis lie is, is going to take us out of here. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, someone on chat just, uh, Davina, just mentioned it is Taco Tuesday. So oh, go get is. a taco. <laughs> Maybe that's why we always do the show on Tuesdays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day. Bye.